Welcome back to a uh, a little off the cuff edition of Campus Life. I'm going to say here for tonight, the college side of our weekly shows here at Campus to Canton. As always, I am Austin, and this is Colin. And we were talking a little before the show here, Colin. You said that you booked a trip for this summer. So tell us a little bit about what you're going to be doing and um, and where you're going. Yeah. So uh, you know, obviously with things starting to clear up a little bit, um, you know, COVID wise and everything, we felt pretty good about booking a trip for June. Um, this would be the second week of June. Uh, my girlfriend and I booked a trip to Denver. Uh, this will be my first time west of Ohio. So excited for that. Man, I didn't realize that you'd never been out there. And, to, and what are you, what drew you to Denver? Uh, well, I mean, we both were like, we were both thinking of, pla- thinking of places that like we both really wanted to go. Nashville was super high on uh, my list, also very high on hers too. Um, but we're like, you know what? We've been cooped up for a whole year. Let's do something a little bit bigger. Um, so Denver was pretty high on both of our lists there too. Um, you know, the sites out there, everybody says they're gorgeous. And, you know, there's some hiking too, which we're not huge hikers, but we like to do some outdoor stuff. Uh, we like to hike a little bit. So, yeah. And then there's like also a bunch of like uh, good brew. I've heard there's a bunch of good craft breweries out there too. That'll be a lot of fun. Uh, the Olympic Training Center is out there too. Maybe go check that out. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we'll just, just kind of going a little bit off the cuff a little bit with it. Like you said, uh, it's an off the cuff version of the show here. But if you have any suggestions for things to do in Denver, definitely reach out. Yeah, yeah, do it. Um, that sounds like a fun trip. We don't have anything specifically planned. I mean, we always go away with my in-laws and stuff. But, um, you know, no, like, other uh, trips planned for the summer. So I guess I probably we'd probably start looking at that. Um, yeah, we're both a little bit bigger, like, planners. But I also wanted to get this on the books for – PTO wise for, uh, for work, you know, cause we'll be taking a full week off. I don't want to, don't want to risk not getting approved. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. Um, so let's just jump right in. We have a few news items here tonight. We have some more fresh and spotlights. We're doing another G five offense that we are buying and then just a little, you know, kind of closing segment. that's going to be short, just a, our thoughts on kind of a general you know, topic or concept that we're trying out tonight. We'll see, we'll see how it goes. Um, so news wise for the week, um, all of these are a little bit, well, the third one isn't, but the first two here are kind of uh, happened late last week. So they're not necessarily, you know, breaking news or anything, but Joe Milton is transferring out of Michigan. Uh, was the starter going into last year and started the first several games. And he had that really good first game and everyone was getting really excited about him. And they were saying, you know, Harbaugh's finally got his guy at Michigan. And then he just did fell completely off a cliff after that <laughs> and really didn't look very good. was pretty overwhelmed by virtually every other team they played. And so he is going to leave. And I, I haven't seen any rumblings about where he's going. So uh, competitors left for that job. It seems like it's going to come down to either Cade McNamara, who played a few games last year, um, had that kind of notable one against Rutgers where they came back and won. And um, then incoming freshman J.J. McCarthy, who's uh, uh, one of the top-rated quarterbacks here in this freshman class. Colin, you really like McCarthy, so I'll let you just dish a little bit about what your thoughts are on that situation for next year. Yeah, so I... 
even before Milton transferred, like I liked McCarthy there to win that job. I mean, like you said, Milton really fell apart um, as the after like pretty much after the first game. And I mean, then you had uh, Cade McNamara in there. He only played four games, so it's kind of hard to get a good grasp on him there. And he looked he looked okay. He had 425 yards passing, um, you know, five touchdowns, no picks, so decent. But he had a 6.0 yards per attempt, which is kind of gross. So you know, he didn't really do anything there to impress me. I don't think he did anything to really stand out and to make you think that um McCarthy's going to have an uphill battle to earn it. I mean, I think they're pretty much going to go in on relatively even playing fields. And you know, JJ McCarthy is the the best ranked quarterback that uh Harbaugh has brought in to any of his programs since Andrew Luck. Um you know, and they have some decent weapons there. Like I like AJ Henning. Uh they have Cornelius Johnson, they have Xavier Worthy that they're bringing in this year too. Blake Corum's solid pass catching back. They're bringing in Donovan Edwards, so they got some options there. That offensive line is usually pretty solid overall. Um, you don't usually have too many problems on the O-line there. There's always like a guy or two that are NFL prospects. So I think it's a solid situation, which as a Penn State fan, that kind of hurts saying. <laughs> um, but yeah, with McCarthy coming in there, I mean, you know, he's my number two quarterback, and he's the number two pro-style quarterback, five-star guy. We talked a little bit about him before, um, but you know, he's got a big arm. You know, not a he's not a cannon, but it's an NFL caliber arm. You know, he's got good fastball, I think, in the short to intermediate areas. Um, you know, and, and he looks solid with his ball placement too. He lets his wide receivers make plays, which is always a little bit concerning coming from IMG, just because I mean they have guys like Corey Brooks there and they always have top or Jack Corey Brooks. I'm sorry. Um, they always have like top end talent on the wide receiver. So it's a little bit hard to get a good gauge for him, but I think he is still a very talented quarterback in his own right and more talented than McNamara. And I think that he's going to be able to come away with that job. Yeah. Um, this, this is really making me reevaluate where I have JD McCarthy in my, my current rankings amongst quarterbacks, because I thought, uh, you know, I don't think Harbaugh necessarily dislikes playing freshman, but I don't, especially quarterback, you know, I don't think it's something that he typically does. I thought that probably Milton would get the first chance and then, you know, it would be a complicated, maybe mixture of the three. And it's just a situation I really didn't want any part of, even if McCarthy probably is the most talented guy there. And I'd be lying if I said there wasn't a little bit of, um, you know, we we don't scout the helmet, but Harbaugh's just done, done such a poor job of, of evaluating and developing the position over the past several years. I mean, basically every, his entire time at Michigan, let's be honest, that it, it may kind of makes you a little hesitant to touch the next guy going there. That so, uh, but I think I had to move McCarthy way up my rankings here because I agree. I mean, I just don't. I'm McNamara is a guy. Like yeah. it's you don't recruit him. He's like Stetson Bennett was last year at Georgia. Like you recruit him to be the third quarterback on your team or whatever. If he's the starter, something has gone pretty, pretty bad. So um, I, I think, um, you know, I'm more willing to go after JJ McCarthy and startups and freshman drafts. And um, I think we're going to see him really move here up boards over the next few months. I'm trying to look here real quick and see where he's gone in um, the, the couple of mocks that we've had 
that we've gotten done over the past few weeks. Yeah, I remember Felix took him fairly early in our test drive mock, um, and then the heavy hitters mock, he went fairly late. So it's kind of all over the board. So I see McCarthy. It looks like he's round one, two, three, eight. So he went eight oh three or no eight eight ten or eight eleven there. And then in heavy hitters, he went a little earlier than that. Or no, maybe he went a little later than that. Let's see. I think he went a little later. I think he was around the tenth, roughly. If I'm this is just off the top of my head. He went twelve oh two. So I think that twelve oh two is going to be totally unrealistic within the next couple of months. Um, that he's he's not going to be there at all. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if he shoots up into the because like we've talked about, you know, after this top four QBs, it's really kind of empty. And then you figure Jaden Daniels, Keaton Slovis, probably going to go before him. Probably Hudson Card, CJ Stroud, Desmond Ritter. Car- um, did I say Carson Strong? I um, think so. Okay, yeah. I, I, I'm trying to go through all these names and like just lost the best <laughs> my place. And then probably like Caleb Williams. But after that, like I think he's probably going to start being in play for people. I mean, he's definitely ahead of Caleb Williams for me. Um, I have Caleb Williams... Um, it's, it's a little bit flexible right now, but I have Caleb Williams right around my QB eight or nine ish, like right around there. I don't really love him, at least from a pro prospect standpoint. I mean, we can dive into him at another time and, but you know, I, I would definitely take McCarthy over him for sure. Um, and like I said, with, with Milton out of the way, not that I thought that Milton stood that much, uh, you know, was like guaranteed to get that job just cause he didn't show a ton. But I think you're right. He probably would have been the incumbent there. And McCarthy probably would have been relegated to number two duties. But, you know, with with him out of the way, you know, I, I think it's wheels up for him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the second kind of piece of news that's that happened a few days ago here is the Gus Malzahn hiring at UCF. He was let go from Auburn this offseason after being there since uh, 2012, I believe was his first year there, which actually, it didn't seem like it'd been that long, but, um, but he'd been there for a while. He's one of yeah. those guys that I think always did like just enough to keep his job. Um, so, um, so yeah, he's moving into UCF. He's replacing, uh, Hoople who's going to Tennessee. Do we have any strong feelings about what this does for any of the pieces at UCF, who's kind of been a well-oiled machine over the past few years? Um, at both receiver and you know, quarterback? Well, I think any time that a team and an offense loses a guy like Hoople um, as a play caller, as you know, the head coach, I think any time you lose a guy like that, you're probably bound for a little bit of regression. Um, you know, I don't think we're going to see UCF rank in the top 10, top five of passing offenses uh, particularly because Gus Malzahn's offenses have always been a little bit more run focused than quarterback focused. Um, so I, I think we're going to see a, a good bit of regression from Dylan Gabriel. This is definitely going to make me go back and look at him again. And he's probably going to drop down my rankings a little bit in the C2C side because, I mean, before, you know, you could count on him to be in the top five in passing yards. You know, it was that was pretty much going to be locked in. Now with Hoople out of the way, and a little bit more of a run-focused Gus Malzahn coming in, you know, now it's a little bit more of a concern for me because, I mean, these Auburn offenses, the past three years in total offense have ranked 77th, 64th, and 78th. So that's like dead middle of the pack. So there's nothing to get excited about. And then, you know, like I said, they've always had 
more of a run-focused offense, but the run offense hasn't even really been that great the past couple of years, despite some of the talent that they've had. He hasn't had a 1,000-yard rusher since on Johnson in 2017. Um, so I think this is just kind of lukewarm overall for me. Maybe even a little bit colder than that. Yeah, I don't, I don't, um, I don't exactly know what to make of it for Gabriel because he, uh, Malzahn overall has tended to prefer dual threat quarterbacks, um, especially during his time at, uh, well, pretty much since like 10, 2010, because then he went to Arkansas State, was the offensive coordinator there for a year, and they had a kid when he was there, um, Ryan Applin, who I'd never heard of before. I wasn't, you know, doing this kind of stuff back then, but he had about 3,500 passing yards with another 500 on the ground and about 30 total touchdowns. Um, before that, I mean, he was the offensive coordinator at Auburn when they had Cam Newton. Um, but then all of his stuff really before that was all running back heavy. Like you said, I mean, he was the OC at Arkansas when they had the Darren McFadden, Felix Jones backfield. Um, and then he, when he, um, the two years after that, he went to Tulsa and his running back there, Terry on Adams, who I'm not really familiar with, but put up um, all big numbers back to back years there. And then, like you just said, you know, his time here at Auburn as a head coach. And I don't know, he gave up uh, play calling at some point, And I meant to look that up and I didn't get to see when it was. But regardless, I know he's probably had inputs into what's going on there, especially with recruiting. And he just really hasn't done that good of a job with putting any of that together. So I think it, I, I'm interested to see who emerges as kind of their big running back. They're probably going to lean on Gabriel. Like we talked about him a few, you know, a month or two ago, he's got, he's got some mobility, but he's tiny. You know, you don't want to send him running a bunch of times a game like you would with the Cam Newton or, you know, even some of the guys that came after that with Auburn. Um, they, they've always seemed to have besides those Jarrett Stidham years, uh, you know, a kind of a bigger mobile quarterback. I'm trying to go back and look at like Jeremy Johnson and, um, I'm trying to think what the other guy, one guy's name was Marshall. Yes. Yes. Nick Marshall. Marshall. Yeah. That was from the 2013 natty season. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, they always had like a bigger guy. So that, that would be my little bit of a worry about Gabriel. I don't think it affects the wide receivers too much there, at least Jalen Robinson, because he has um, his offenses have produced a some nice wide wide receiver one seasons as well. I would worry about any guys below him on the depth chart, but I think it was unclear as to maybe who that second guy would be on the team with Marlon Williams leaving uh, and just Robinson returning. Yeah, I mean, they had they brought in a transfer guy that I was like vaguely interested in before. Um, he was a JUCO transfer. It was Jalen Griffin. Um, I was mildly interested in him just as a, like a bigger body guy there. But I mean, with you know Miles on in there, I'm not nearly as interested in him. Uh, you touched on like who's going to be their running back option. I mean, they just lost McCray and Otis Robinson, so those are the two leading rushers. Their only guy left, their best guy left is Bentavious Thompson, and he had 70 carries, 369 yards, and five touchdowns. Um, now he's going to be a redshirt junior. He's 6'1, 197, so he's bigger. Um, but even back in, you know, Malzahn's days there at Auburn, those guys, they typically had two running backs that they gave the ball to. Now there was, you know, a time or two where if they didn't have somebody, you know, they, they would lean on someone like he leaned on carry on Johnson pretty hard in, in the one year. Um, I think it was 2017 or 2016. He leaned pretty hard on those guys, but he still likes to split the ball, split the carries up a lot. So there's not really any running back that's going to excite me for 
you know, any uh, for C2C at all. So I'm, I don't want to say I'm out on this offense, but I'm definitely reevaluating this offense. And I think I'm going to come in lower than I was now that Malzahn has been brought in. Yeah. I'm not sure which of these guys I'm comfortable drafting. Um, I think my, my way into that offense for this year is going to be kind of find out what that running back situation looks like early and try to snag one of those guys if they're available on the free agent, you know, waiver wire or whatever. Yeah. And hope that's that's my my ticket in there, um, especially with my because I know you're higher on Gabriel than I am. I'm not sure he's an NFL quarterback. So, you know, with this possibly being his last year there, I'm not sure I want to invest heavily into into him. Yeah, I, I'm higher on him from an NFL standpoint than you are, I, I believe. But I think from a C2C standpoint, this is going to drop him a little bit in my rankings for sure. So last piece of news here, and this is the the more recent one happened here, you know, just a few hours ago, and that's Tyler Shuck transferring to Texas Tech. We talked a little bit last week about him entering the portal, and he made a decision pretty quickly here, um, which is interesting. I'm assuming that means that maybe he got, you know, a pretty nice reception. Uh, so there's uh, many teams wanting him and that he was able to kind of make a decision quickly, whereas some of these guys, you know, they just don't really hear from anybody and kind of fizzle out in the portal. So he's going to Texas Tech. They have the starting job open there. I mean, Alan Bowman transferred out after this year, and after you know, Bowman had that really, really strong freshman year, and then it's just uh, injuries and stuff, and they're like fluke injuries. But they just let that poor kid get beat up uh, really, really badly there, and and um, I, he, I, I mean, he just sees ghosts now. I don't blame him. Um, so there, there's a spot open there. They brought in. I think a lot of people were kind of predicting that maybe Baron Morton would go in and start there. He's the um, the four-star kid that they're bringing in this year at the position. I know a lot of people really, really like him. So now this probably makes Morton sit a year. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think. But before they brought Shuck in, I was definitely interested in Baron Morton um, because, like you said, Bowman's not in there anymore. Uh, Henry Columbia, not really anything special there. Um, you know, and I liked Baron Morton. Um, you know, he's the number 11 pro style quarterback, but he was originally listed as a dual threat quarterback. So he has a decent amount of mobility, but he is definitely more of a pocket passer. Um, and I thought he had good ball placement. You know, he led his wide receivers pretty well uh, on most of his throws. You didn't really see him having to make too many adjustments. Uh, his arm strength was solid too. So, you know, he checked off a lot of decent boxes there. And then, I mean, Texas Tech's offense is... You know, it's pretty good for for passing. They were the 33rd ranked passing offense this past year. They're the 38th ranked offense overall. So, you know, it's it's not the Cliff Kingsbury, Cliff Kingsbury or Mike Leach days, but it's still a pretty solid offense, pretty productive offense. So, they're, you know, you kind of want some of those pieces there. But I think bringing in Shuck, I mean, as much as he's our show <laughs> punching bag, I believe is how you referred to him. Um, you know, he. We we knocked him pretty hard, but he did have 1,500 passing yards through seven games this year. You know, 9.3 yards per attempt, which is decent. 13 touchdowns, six interceptions. So that's okay. You know, so, I mean, he's still not anybody that I'm going to be interested in for a C2C perspective or, or really at all. But, you know, I mean, I could understand if somebody was more intrigued by him now. Yeah, that's basically how I feel about him as well. Um, I still don't want him in a Devi league and a C2C league. I think he's more interesting, and he still has those three years left. Yeah. So that does worry you a little bit about Morton as well, because, you know, after a normal year, you know, Shuck would have like one, maybe two years, but with three years, 
if he exhausts that eligibility, you know, all of a sudden you're either looking at a transfer from Morton or he's sitting for a long time. And at that point, how appealing is he? So I think that's, uh, it hurts Morton a lot in my eyes. Um, I'm not sure exactly um, with him kind of becoming a favorite of a lot of people online. I'm not sure that I I think he's going to go a little earlier than I'm going to be wanting to spend that pick now. Yeah, I agree. I mean, before this, uh, I had uh, Baron Morton. Uh, let me see where I had him here. I had Baron Morton at my QB ten. Um, after this, I'll probably drop him a couple spots. You know, it'll probably be closer to like the twelve thirteen range, since he doesn't have that immediate starting appeal. And like you touched on, Shuck could stay for three years. Now he said he was going to get his. He was going to grad school there, so he's getting some sort of graduate degree. Typically, those are like two years, so he might stick around for two years. But still, now Mal Morton's has to sit for two years, probably, yeah. unless he can unseat Chuck mm-hmm. at some point. Yeah, and then uh, obviously, then you like Morton, but it's that's uh, you know you just shook the magic eight ball and it says you know check back later or whatever. Like, <laughs> that's not not exactly why I wanted to see when I shook the the, the magic eight ball. So <laughs> right. Yeah, so I think that that pretty much covers news. And I think uh, of all the things we talked about there, that's probably the one to keep most of an eye on that or obviously kind of how Malzahn's offense is shaking out next year and what that does to some of those guys. Um, so freshman spotlight tonight. So we've, I think the past couple of weeks, we've kind of been going a little bit deeper. You know, we've been avoiding the top guys, but we want to talk about some of those guys too. You know, we're not going to ignore um the you know, the upper tier guys in the class just because just to you know we're, we want to hit all of them you know we have right. a lot of episodes left to to do that before the season kicks off so uh colin you have a wide receiver that you're like the only guy that i really see this high on him i think you you really like him a lot um so tell us a little bit about uh mr biblical shadrach <laughs> uh, banks <laughs> yeah so i mean i I'm definitely the only person that I've seen like really bring him up much at all. And I'm going to be significantly higher on him than consensus. I can tell you that right now. And I touched on him back before Christmas when we did one of our, uh, I think it was like our freshman show that we did back in like the signing day. I'm pretty sure I touched on him back then, but I didn't really go into too much depth for him there. So Shadrach, he's a four-star guy. Uh, he's the wide receiver number 18. So I know you said we were getting into some of the guys who are up a little bit higher, uh, but he's still not that high. Um, so, but he's got great size, six foot, 220 is what they list him at. Um, you know, and then in the, op- the opening, um, you know, they listed him at, uh, it was 5'11 and a half, 206. And that was back in 2019. So as right around that prototypical size that you like to see. And this kid is just, he's a tough, tough runner. He looks like a running back with the ball in his hands. Very elusive. uh, And he also is willing to get physical when needed, too. Um, He does like to go for the hurdle, um, which uh, if you guys listen to Debbie Manuel, uh, I was on there last week uh, with uh, DJ Debbie D himself and Jonah Moore and Dynasty Dad Stash, Nate Bork. Um, talking a little bit of freshman guys too, and I brought him up on there. But <laughs> I said when he goes for the hurdle, man, like it's it, it looks impressive, but you get a little bit nervous there. Um, he hurdles like three players in his highlight tapes, so you know maybe he's to bring that in a little bit. But it just goes to show you his athleticism overall. Um, he's got good long speed, 
He's not great. You know, he could definitely get caught from behind, but it's definitely passable. Um, and I think he shows good flashes of route running ability. You know, he's quick in and out of his breaks. He's got some subtle fakes in there that he uses. Um, you know, it definitely needs to work on the, the technical side of his game a little bit. But, I mean, this guy was just a mega producer in high school at one of the biggest schools in the country. I mean, he played in Texas's highest classification at 6A um, for North Shore High School. And this is a team that they were the number two team in the nation this year, according to, uh, I'm pretty sure it was Max Preps um, that does that. But they, you know, they won the, uh, the state title. Um, and in his sophomore year, he put up 1,300 yards and 17 touchdowns for also a state championship team and a team that de- was declared the national champs. Uh, so he set the stage for you know high expectations going into his junior year, but then he got hurt in the middle of his junior year, uh, and he missed pretty much the entire year. So you know that's probably why he's not ranked quite as highly uh, in you know a lot of the recruiting services as what I think he should be. Um, but this year, his first year back, he scored at least one touchdown in every single game this year, put up 1,292 yards, 13 touchdowns through the air, 431 yards, another eight TDs on the ground. Uh, he was named the District 21 6A Offensive MVP in Texas. He was a first-team Max Preps All-American, and he was a finalist for the Army All-American Offensive Player of the Year. Uh, now, obviously, they didn't play that game or anything, uh, but he was the only wide receiver on the list. The other guys who were up for contention were J.J. McCarthy, Ty Thompson, Kyle McCord, and Brock Vandergriff, all of the top quarterbacks in the country. And then you have this guy. And then you put all of that together, and obviously, you love his profile, and he's an early enrollee. So he's already on campus. He's learning that playbook, and they don't really have any established options at wide receiver this year. I mean, they have uh, Anaya Smith, who's a little bit of more of a hybrid, but probably more wide receiver role, I guess. And then, you know, they have Demont Demas, who was fairly highly touted last year, but like he didn't really do anything this year. So I think he potentially has a path to some early playing time there as well on, on a Texas A&M offense. So this is a guy that I'm just trying to get the, trying to get the bandwagon started for him. And I'm hoping that I can get other people as excited about him as I am. I I like this kid and I'm glad that you're talking about him. And it kind of does surprise me that nobody else is. I think the thing that scares guys away and I don't know why, because I think it might not necessarily be true moving forward is with Kellen Mond there the past couple of years, he really hasn't supported any high end wide receiver guys. You know, they just haven't had it. Um, right. I even think that Jalen, Jalen Weidermeyer was their leading receiver last year. Wasn't he or close to it? So um, are you worried at all just because I think last year more than any team in the country A&M runs you know, two tight ends yeah, or close to it. Does that worry you in terms of getting him on the field? Because at most, you're probably only getting two receivers. And if you assume, which I don't think we can, but if you assume that one is DeMoss or Demas, however you say that, I don't know. I hear about 50-50. <laughs> um, but if you assume one of them is is him, then do you feel pretty good that he can get some run in as the second guy? I feel pretty good that he can get some run as the second guy. I don't think he'll, I mean, he obviously, since he's on campus, he could blow them away in spring ball and he could get on the field and earn that time for sure. I don't think there's any doubt about that, but it wouldn't surprise me if he's mostly relegated to like number three, number four wide receiver duties his freshman year. Um, And they do run a lot of two tight end sets, which you're saying, which is right. And I mean, 
they should with, you know, Weidermeyer there being, you know, such an electric playmaker, you know, you also need to have somebody else there. They do have Baylor cup. If he can ever stay healthy, um, that'd be a great option too. And then they are very run heavy too with Spiller and they got a chain and now they're bringing in um, LJ Johnson. So definitely a lot of options there, but I liked Haynes King last year coming in. And I think he's the front runner for that job this year. And I think if he gets it, I think he can support, you know, a fantasy relevant wide receiver. And like you said, I, I don't think we can assume that that's going to be Damas. So, I mean, it, I like Banks a lot, but even if he isn't the number two guy this year, um, you know, I think by his sophomore year, I think he could very easily become the number two guy. And then that offense opens up a lot more after next year where you got Jalen Weidermeyer probably going to go pro, you would think. Um, I mean, with the way that he's been putting up these numbers, I think he would declare early. Uh, you're going to have Spiller, who probably declares early. I could see Smith declaring early potentially, but maybe not. Maybe he sticks around. Uh, but in either way, the, their two top offen- options in the offense disappear after next year, likely. And now there's a lot more opportunity. So I'm potentially worried about it. But overall, I still like his potential a lot and his talent. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think um, I think he's going to be fair, cheaper than he probably should be in drafts too, uh, unless I really hear him start gaining some steam uh, between between now and and when drafts start really happening. Um, but but yeah, no, I I really like that shout. Um, I have a wide receiver as well here tonight, um, and it's another guy. He's actually right below Banks in the composite, I believe. You said Banks is eighteen, right? Yeah, yep. uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'm talking Destin Hill tonight, and he's number nineteen, so he's right behind him. Um, and Hill is a guy that I see some people chatting about a little bit. And I just, I, another guy, like I'm sure how Colin feels about banks that I'm just really not sure why he's ranked so lowly in the composite and why he's not getting a little more buzz than he is. Um, he is uh, six foot 200, but I've seen a place or two list him as six, two. And, you know, functionally, I'm not really sure how much of a difference that makes. And it's really hard to tell from watching him whether I think that he's closer to one or the other. But I think regardless, you know, he's not super tiny or, you know, like 6'5 either. So he's in that, you know, middle height range. His senior year stats at Edna Carr High School in New Orleans, he put up 54 catches, uh, just about 11 or about uh, 1,050 yards and 14 touchdowns. So very nice year there. And, um, he's just a very, very dynamic player, you know, skill set wise, he's got really nice burst. He's got that quick step off the line. When you watch, you know, you just kind of watch some guys and you know, like that, that first step is just half a second or, you know, a quarter of a second quicker than everybody else's. And I think Hill really has that. Um, and it's, his burst is also evident when he catches the ball, you know, he can really explode after the catch and make that first defender miss uh, pretty quickly. The second thing I really like about him is his physicality and his ability to mix that along with just a little bit of yak ability. He is probably the most um, versatile guy that I've watched so far in this class in terms of when he catches the ball, he can either shake and bake you or he sometimes he just runs the guys over. Like he almost says like, you know, come here, like points him out. And then like, you know, <laughs> he just kind of whoops them, which is, is very, very fun. And I know I've talked about it on this show, I've talked about it on other people's shows. For me, I think one of the most important things a wide receiver can have is that mindset, that mindset that they want to go out there every single play 
and destroy the guy across from them. They want that ball. They're going to attack that ball in the air. And once they get that ball, they are going to, you know, they they want to destroy whoever's closest to them and do, and do what they can to get in the end zone. And I think Hill has that mindset. So I think that's a great start and a great building block for him as he heads to college. Um, and just one other note, he's got really good vert. I don't know if he has an official vert. I, I couldn't find anything, but there were a couple passes where he, you know, the, he goes up in the end zone and he goes up over a guy and you're like, Oh, Oh, that's a, <laughs> that's, that's pretty high up there that he got. So um, I'm not a hundred percent sure what the, the, um, the talent situation is in terms of, you know, other schools in his area, but I know it's, you know, new Orleans is a pretty decent area and it looked like, you know, it wasn't like a bunch of little tiny dudes that he was just, you know, bigger, faster, stronger than. So I, I think he really is a good leaper as well. Uh, situationally, uh, Cupboard is very, very bare at Florida State. Very, very. Like that's, you know, I think I'm underselling how bad the wide receiver <laughs> situation is at Florida State, which is so bizarre because I think you always kind of think of those big, raw, athletic guys at receiver there, at least over the past several years, but they just really don't have that right now, especially after Tamori and Terry uh, declared for the draft this year and opted out part of the way through the season. The only real guy, in my opinion, that's in his way for playing time there is Andrew Parchment. And he's not even like a stud or anything, but he's a good player. He's a good uh, contributor for college standards. He is a transfer. He was at Kansas the past couple years, and I believe he started out his career at uh, Northern Illinois, if I remember correctly here. Yes, he is older. So he went to Northern Illinois as a freshman in 2017, then transferred and then had 1920 at Kansas. So he's like a fifth year guy, really. Um, and, you know, last year at Kansas, I don't, I'm not going to knock anybody that went to Kansas and did not produce as like a mega producer because that offense is just abysmal, abysmal, abysmal. You could not pay me enough to sit down and watch a full Kansas game. So, but 2019, he put up 831 yards there and seven touchdowns. You know, this year he only put up about 200 yards and two touchdowns in seven games. So, not great, but he's done it before. I think he can go in there. And if we have kind of been working under the assumption that Mackenzie Milton gets the job and can stay healthy for a whole year, they're going to have at least one or two wide receivers that, that probably, you know, have 50 catches, 50 to 65 catches, if I had to guess. And I don't see any reason why Hill can't be the second guy in that grouping. Yeah, no, I'm totally with you there. I like Hill a lot. Um, I'm not quite as high on him as I know you are. I know he's one of your guys, too. Um, I'm pretty sure Fusu Vu, I think he's one of his guys, too. Uh, or Devin, oh, okay. I think so. I think I saw him talking about him. Um, but yeah, I, no, I, I, I like Fusu. <laughs> uh, yeah, I like, I like uh, Hill, and I like the situation he's going into as well. Like you mentioned, they the cupboard's bare there. Uh, Parchment's you know, a guy who's a little bit concerning for sure as a potential roadblock. But other than that, their their leading receiver that they're bringing back is Ontario Wilson, who had 30 catches this year. Uh, 30 catches, 382 yards, two touchdowns. That was about it. Um, you know, they're, they have a couple other guys there, but nobody really of consequence. Although the one guy that I do want to bring up that's in there is a guy I liked last year, uh, and that's um, Brian Robinson. Uh, he's a former four-star recruit there. Uh, he was the number 32 wide receiver, so it's not like he was super highly touted. Um, but he was a guy that I liked a lot last year as like a sleeper guy, mostly because of the situation he was going into. 
but he reportedly flashed early in preseason camp, but then he suffered this nagging lower injury, lower body injury that kind of kept him off the field um, early on. And he didn't really do a whole lot. I mean, he didn't even record a stat last year. Um, he got on the field occasionally, but that was really about it. He didn't really get any passes thrown his way at all. Um, but he's still a guy that I like, and he's still a guy to keep an eye on. But I don't think he's really going to ho- keep Hill off of the field necessarily. Yeah, and I don't really know what to expect with that offense to look like next year. I think it's going to be run heavy early in the year as they try to figure out what they've got in Milton and if he's going to actually be able to play, you know, and maybe they're able to make that determination before. I don't really know. Um, cause Chuba Purdy is really the only other guy there. And, you know, another year there is going to be good for his development. I mean, 2020 was kind of just a total crap show, uh, f- for some of these freshmen coming in, but he lo- didn't, he really didn't look ready last year and then he got injured. Um, so I, I'm just, I, I really don't know what to expect from that offense. You know, maybe if like worst case scenario, you know, Milton, either gets re-injured or just, you know, doesn't have it anymore. Purdy is obviously not the answer. Then they're probably just going to try to run the ball a bunch, but at the same time, they're probably going to be down a bunch in that case. So I I just really don't know what to, what that offense is going to look like, but I think, you know, it's reasonable to expect 40 ish catches from whoever their wide receiver two is, or, you know, somewhere in that range. And I think that he'll, um, you know, it has a chance to be that guy. So, yeah, for sure. Uh, Yeah. There's nothing really standing in his way from that. Uh, my only, my biggest concern is like you mentioned, you know, it's I think it's going to be a little bit more run heavy because that's kind of the way that Mike Norvell leans is a little bit more run heavy at offense. And I do really like their stable of running backs there. I mean, I don't, <laughs> I don't know who I want out of that group because I like DJ Williams I, who just transferred in from Auburn. I like Jay Sean Corbin, um, who's the, kind of the incumbent starter there. Um, and obviously I like Lawrence Toafili as well, um, who was a freshman from last year. So you know, I like all three of those guys. I don't really know who's going to stand out, but I think one of them is. I do think it's going to be a little bit more of a run-heavy offense. Uh, but like you said, you know, I think you could reasonably expect 40 catches, and then you know, after that, I don't really think there's any reason that Hill couldn't establish himself as a legitimate NFL prospect moving forward. Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's you know, it, I, I, he's my wide receiver five in the class, and I think you can get him a little cheaper than that. At the same time, you know, if yeah, I just looked it up. Yeah, Fusu's talking about him. Uh, Adam yeah. Lewis is talking about him. So he might be get he might get a little more popular as the the offseason goes on here. So you might have to you, you know you can't wait to till you know fifteen wide receivers are off the board and, and hope that he's still there uh, in freshman drafts. But you know I don't think you have to take him before most of the Bama guys either. I think most people are going to focus on them or Agbuka, um, some of those kind of bigger name guys, and I and you can slot him in there, and it wouldn't shock me if he outperforms any of those guys. Um, so let's see here. So our next big topic here for tonight, and we're talking another G five offense. We took a last week off, um, but we are back with the G five and we want to talk Nevada and Nevada is a little different than the, t- <laughs> yeah, we'll fact um, <laughs> um, people can't see. We're doing like the NC state, you know, Wolfpack. the NC state Wolfpack. <laughs> um, I and Nevada is a little different than the other offenses that we've talked about because I don't think that they are necessarily traditionally year after year a strong offense. You know, it's not, you know, quarterback leaves, they plug the next guy in, they've got a system. 
baseline numbers are basically between X and Y, you know, wide receiver one is about to do this running back. One is about to do this. Like it's not necessarily one of those offenses like, uh, like Arkansas state has been with, especially with wide receivers and like ECU has been, as we talked about last week with kind of wide receiver one wide receiver two. But the thing that makes Nevada a very intriguing offense, especially for 2021. And I'm not sure how far beyond that again, because it's not that kind of an offense, but they have, a very good quarterback in Carson strong. They have a strong contributor at both running back and wide receiver. And they have a very intriguing tight end as well. You know, he's listed like on fan tracks as a wide receiver tight end hybrid, which I mean, even better, but um, cause you like getting, you know, some of those guys that have that dual eligibility. Um, so I think this might be an offense where it's one year and you enjoy it while it lasts. Um, but Colin, do you want to talk a little on Carson Strong, who kind of just sets the tempo for everything that they're doing there right now? Yeah, I mean, like you said, uh, he's a very intriguing quarterback prospect, especially from a C2C standpoint, where I think he's going to be very productive. Um, I mean, they were the 12th ranked passing offense last year, and I think he was a big reason why. Um, and that was on a per game basis. Um, they play, They played nine games, but still like 12th ranked passing offense, you know, he was definitely the catalyst for that. He had 2,800 passing yards, 27 touchdowns, four interceptions, which that INT to TD ratio in college is fantastic. Um, 8.1 yards per attempt. So that's, you know, kind of the numbers you're looking for there. It's maybe a little on the lower side, but it's nothing to be alarmed about at all. It's totally fine. Um, 70% completion percentage, which is great. And, you know, he's got that prototypical size too, 6'4", 215. Um, definitely more of a traditional pocket passer. Doesn't really have much mobility at all. Um, I mean, he can, you know, I don't know. He can kind of maneuver the pocket a little bit, but he's not really breaking contain at any point. He's not really getting outside the pocket at all. Um, but, I mean, he can still make a lot happen with his arm. He's a great arm. He's a big arm. Definitely, definitely, definitely NFL caliber, without a doubt. Um, he has solid accuracy, like I said, with the 70% completion percentage. Um, you know, he's, I'll let's say he's my QB 10 right now for, uh, for fantasy for C2C. And he's definitely, he, he, like we had talked about earlier with Gabriel, maybe, you know, not as intriguing anymore. He may move up a spot or two. I don't really know. That's a little bit fluid with some of those situations that are still developing, but right now he's my QB 10. And I think that, you know, he's a guy to definitely target after those top four, five quarterbacks go off the board in your C2C draft. He got forgotten about in heavy hitters. I a hundred percent know he did because he went in the 10th round and knowing the guys that are in there, there's like, there's no way that anybody would have like actually let him, you know, consciously fall that low. I think more of his, cause I have him as QB 10 as well right now. And I think more of his range, you know, he went four of four in test drive that we did. And now he just went in this, um, this, this other one that we have running right now, he went at like the middle of the third round. So oh. I think third, fourth round is kind of going to be his range, you know, not the, the, not the 12th. And I wouldn't say any later than the fifth. I think if he's there in the fifth, you've gotten kind of lucky and he's a guy you scoop. I agree. I mean, he's, he's got a big arm, you know, and I think teams are going to fall in love with that. And I don't think, um, you know, I think he's a smart player, you know, he's not like the, you know, the big dumb guy that has a big arm, but like, can't, you know, process or just struggles with all of those kinds of things. I'm just not sure, especially for the NFL, just how, how good, like his, his general ball placement is. And like, he, he just wants to bring a hammer for like every situation, 
you know, you know, it's even, I mean, it's something that requires, you know, a little bit of delicate putting together, you know, he just brings the sledgehammer in and, and <laughs> smashes it and, you know, whatever happens, happens. Um, which is nice. I mean, but at the same time, you have to be able to do some, some different things, you know, nuance wise touch, especially on, in different scenarios. And I just haven't seen him do that yet. I would like to see him do that this year. And if he does do that this year, then I think he would have every argument to be probably QB three in this class behind Spencer Rattler and Sam Howell. I, because I mean, depending on what happens with Slovis and with D- D- Daniel squared, there's really, you know, I don't think any of us are really sure who's going to be that QB three. Yeah. And I mean, he is just a red, he's going to be a red shirt junior. So, you know, he's going to have an extra year there if he wants it. Um, if but, he takes it, something went horrible, something went wrong and now we're no longer interested in him if he's there another year, I think. Right. I mean, yeah, that's, that's pretty much fair for the most part. I mean, coming from a program like Nevada, like it's hard to say like what those guys are typically going to do. Um, just cause typically like G five schools are harder to predict a guy coming out early for, I mean, you, you always feel a lot more comfortable predicting Trevor Lawrence or the quarterback from Clemson to come out early or the quarterback from Bama to come out early. You it, way easier to project those guys, way harder to project guys coming from a G five school like that. But I think you're right. I think if he sticks around, then I am a little bit more concerned because he probably got news from the NFL that he didn't really like to hear. I don't know if he'll be a first round talent at this point. I do think you're right. We need to see some more nuance in his game this year. Um, you know, and he doesn't have that mobility that a lot of people are looking for this year. So I think, I think you're right where it's, uh, it, it's, a, it's a little bit concerning if he sticks around, but you know, I think you're right. He could definitely challenge for that quarterback three spot. Yeah. So <clears throat> I, and I'm going to say this with this next guy we're about to talk about here at running back. I think of all the players on Nevada, he is my favorite value currently in C2Cs. Now, granted, if Carson Strong hits what I what we want him to hit, then maybe he is in the third round. You know, if he ends up being QB3 in this class, maybe he should have gone a round or so earlier. But I really like this kid, that running back for Nevada. His name is <clears throat> uh, Toa, Toa Tawa, I believe is how you pronounce it. Um, Krakatoa? <laughs> yeah, it reminds you of that a little bit, you know, a little, little SpongeBob action there. Yes. <laughs> if I could use just SpongeBob memes for the rest of my life, I would. So I can appreciate a good SpongeBob reference. Um, so, but this kid, I, I really, really like him. And I need to get into more of what he did in 2020 because I've watched some of his 2019 stuff and it was, it was really, really good. Now he... You know, like a lot of these guys that go to smaller schools, you know, smaller schools, when they're recruiting some of these guys, they're either looking for like, you know, that kid that like in the movies, this kid's an amazing athlete, but's never played football. And the coach is like driving down the road and he sees this kid like, you know, doing, you know, chasing a dog or something. And he's like, oh, my God, this kid's so fast. Like, or the guy that's just very, very refined, but maybe doesn't have the athletic ability to necessarily marry together for a major program to be interested in. And while I think Tawa probably falls a little bit into the second category there, he's not a bad athlete. He's 5'9", 210, and he, he's quicker than he is fast. You know, he's, he's kind of got that Seth McGowan game going on where he might, he might try to chunk play you to death, but he's never really going to break anything super long. Um, but he's just a very good all-around running back. You know, he can catch the ball really well out of the backfield. This season, he had 31 catches. Now, granted, it's really mostly low A dot stuff. He only had about 
um, 214 yards. So he only averaged about seven yards a catch. Um, but the fact that he's able to do that is good, you know, that they trust him. And when plays were breaking down, that they would go to him, Strong would go to him, I think is a good thing. And, you know, in terms of rushing touches, he got, you know, about 60, 65% or whatever of the carries this year. Uh, 675 yards and four touchdowns. Uh, so it's about a six uh, yards per touch average there. And they only played nine games. So, I mean, th- th- these stats probably sound a little bit light, but, you know, on a per game, that's not not bad. Um, I You can get him so late in drafts. Like, we're only doing for these first three drafts, like 15 rounds or so. And I'm so tempted to just take him with, like, one of my last couple of picks here. But I probably won't, and I don't think he's he's. I don't uh, think you have to. No, I don't think he's a top fifteen round guy. But I think he can produce really, really well, and I think he can be a late round NFL, you know, a early day three or mid day three kind of guy in the NFL draft. Um, and I just think I don't hear enough people talking about him, in my opinion. No, I'm I'm absolutely there with you. So I haven't sat down and actually watched his tape individually, but you know, I've watched Carson Strong and. You know, he stands out at times on there. Um, like you said, most of his catches are like little dump off stuff, but that's fine. Like, I think he is going to be, he's not a guy that you need to take off the field on third down. He's competent at that position. And, you know, maybe he goes to a role where they have, you know, in the NFL, they have somebody who they like better as a pass catching compliment to him, in which case I could see him being mostly a two down guy. But, you know, I don't think that's anything you can assume. You know, I, I think it'll be a little bit more landing spot dependent for a guy like him because he can be fine in the passing game. Um, and and he's just super consistent. I mean, his freshman year, he had 872 yards rushing on 178 carries, six touchdowns, 22 catches, 202 yards and a touchdown. Um, and that was through 13 games. Sophomore year more or less the same thing, 196 carries, 807 yards and six touchdowns, 30 catches, 185 yards, no touchdowns on the ground there um, through 13 games. And then this year, like you said, eight games, he had 675, uh, four touchdowns, 214 yards there too. So, you know, you're seeing like pretty consistently he's producing. Um, So he's not a guy, like you said, that you need to get anytime early in your draft. Like, you know, you can probably wait on him until round like 17 in most situations. And if somebody's not really paying attention to Nevada, it may be even later than that. But he's a guy that you could absolutely start on your C2C side. Uh, so, I mean, I think he's going to be fine. He's going to be a great value, like you said. And, you know, maybe he turns into something on the NFL side. Maybe he doesn't. But at the price that you're going to have to pay for him, does it really matter? Yeah. I mean, 16 and a half points per game and half PPR in 2020. That's that's yeah. very good, very good. You know, even if you don't want to start him week in week out, that's right. a great. You know, um, especially because he's on the West Coast, he plays late, and that's one of those. Uh, you know, uh, my running back one is uh, ten minutes before the game. I find out he's out, and now I'm kind of screwed. Cool, I have this kid that I can plug in, and he will probably have a nice week, especially in that Mountain West that isn't exactly known for you know suffocating defensive play. I don't think it's necessarily known as just this blatantly wide open you know conference offensively, but. You know, that's not, it's not it's the early 2000s SEC either, or mid 2000s no. SEC. Um, so, and they, they have another kid after him that's, that's decent as well. I think if, if Tawa goes down, though, really, you're not too interested in Devontae Lee beyond that. Um, but similar, 
kind of skill set. He's just really, really big. He's like 5'9", 225 or something. I mean, he's, <laughs> you know, he's he's a bigger built back. Um, and so, but I think outside of those guys, I mean, there's not a lot interesting there. And I'm not sure, you know, if both of those guys go down, then, you know, I'm not, I'm not interested in anybody on that beyond the depth chart. You know, it's not Georgia's off, Georgia's right. running back room or Alabama's running back room or, or some of those that are a little more loaded. Um, wide receivers. I think there is an obvious wide receiver one here, right? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty, pretty easy to say uh, Romeo Dobbs, Dobbs. I don't know exactly how to say that. Alfred's been saying dubs or dubs or something. I I was, I had a clubhouse thing with him today and he was talking about them. So I don't, uh, but dubs. uh, Yeah. (laughs) That's, that's a lot more fun to say, you know, dubs, Dubs. (laughs) Romeo dubs. Um, yeah, no, I mean, he's very clearly the wide receiver one there. Um, he had solid production as a freshman, 43 catches, 562 yards, two touchdowns. Um, pretty solid production the next year as a sophomore as well, 44 for 649 and four touchdowns. And then this year he just went bananas, um, through nine games, 58 catches, a thousand, two yards, nine touchdowns. For a 17.3, um, you know, average yards per catch there. So, you know, he, those numbers are just ridiculous. And he's got that NFL size too, 6'2", 200 pounds. So, you know, he's got that NFL prototypical size there. I don't know if he'll ever necessarily be an NFL one or a wide receiver one in the NFL, but I think he could be a very good complement to a team, especially if a team likes to focus the slot wide receivers they're more wide receiver one and he just kind of runs the x on the outside still so i mean i think he's gonna you know wheels up for him for next year too i think he's a guy who's still a little bit under the radar especially for a guy who put up a thousand yards in nine games this year um you know i think he's gonna have a very very nice year next year yeah i really like him as a college performer i just don't i have no idea what to make of him in terms of an nfl guy um I mean, next year is a little leaner of a class. I think we are most people are pretty much in a there. So that could help his case a little bit. I I don't think he's a bad prospect. I I really just, I I, like when I say, I I don't know how to rank him. I really mean, I just, I really don't know how to rank him. um, We'll see what he does going into uh, this year. And the other guy, so they do, before we talk about, you know, this wide receiver tight end hybrid guy that we're kind of floating out there a little bit, there is one other wide receiver on the roster that is, intriguing to me and i think you know if something either a would happen to one of dubs or uh cole turner or you know if strong really goes bananas this year then that offense probably can support another guy in like we talked about with destin hill maybe that 40 to 50 catch range you know 35 to 50 let's say and that's tory horton and horton was there and i want to look and make sure i have this correct before i say this he was there uh, by receptions, he was like their fifth or sixth guy last year. Um, they actually spread the ball out pretty evenly. You know, Dubes was like the undisputed kind of guy. He had 58 for over 1,009. Then they had a bunch of guys like, you know, 33 catches, 27 catches, 31 catches. Um, so, you know, it, it was kind of a pool of guys that split the touches after that. But I think that Tory Horton, it could be that guy that that steps in and kind of solidifies that wide receiver two role next year. He was a true freshman in 2020, and he put up 20 catches, 336 yards, and five touchdowns. That's a really good stat line for a true freshman, a kid that was, um, you know, uh, 
very low three star, just above a 0.8 in the composite, which you know isn't isn't particularly high for people that kind of follow that. And he, I mean, he was listed at like 6'1", 161, definitely kind of that lankier uh, guy coming into college. And he has put on a little weight according to their website. And now I've completely lost where I had that, but it's okay. Um, so, but uh, but I, I, as a true freshman to go in there and do that, I think is very impressive. And, um, you know, in, in a 0.5 PPR, he averaged about nine points per game last year. Uh, as a true freshman. Yeah, so for fantasy purposes. So that's pretty good. Uh, and he looks like he's a pretty good athlete um, on his college tape. You see, or in his high school stuff, you see a lot of him just kind of blowing by defensive backs. Now, again, I'm not exactly sure what the talent level, you know, in terms of what his co- was competing against was there. But um, just a name that I think, you know, I, I think I checked all my leagues and he's he's taken in one of them. But he hits, in terms of dominator, some thresholds that, while he didn't break out, he did okay for that first season. You know, he was just a, a tick below. He was like 0.13 or, you know, like 13, 14%. So that's not terrible. Um, and I think that, you know, with some some luck uh, on going his way, he could do some big things moving forward. Yeah, I mean, he's not a guy that I've really watched, like I said, outside of watching some Carson Strong. Um, but yeah, I mean, if there's this room, this, uh, team definitely has room for another pass catcher. Um, and the next guy that we'll get into as well is probably their number two, the wide receiver tight end hybrid. Um, but as the number 12th ranked passing offense, you know, that they put up a lot of points, they put up a lot of yards and it has to go somewhere. So, you know, why not Horton? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, and I think I agree with that. And he's like a guy, you don't really draft him. No, like, or you take him, you know, fortieth round or something, just to make sure <laughs> that somebody else doesn't step in and snag him, because that's what those last five rounds turn into. And it's just when somebody did, it's just everybody swearing at each other because he just took whatever guy they were hoping would fall. Yeah, um, yeah. So that, that that's the kind of range that he goes in. Um, the other, the last guy here is Cole Turner, and he is that wide receiver tight end hybrid that we kind of chatted a little bit about earlier. Had a really nice year last year. Was their second leading receiver in. Every single category, I believe, except for touchdowns where he tied Dubes for first. He went 49, 605, and 9. Um, and I think like he's listed as a hybrid on fan tracks, but I definitely think he's more of a, a tight end. Like I don't I I was watching him and I was like, this I don't know why he's listed a wide receiver, but that's cool. It's you know, it's good for you know, some of that dual eligibility stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he well, he's listed as a hybrid because he was started as a wide receiver, but I mean at 6'6, 240. Like that's a tight end size. Yeah. So, yeah. So props to him for moving to tight end and making that transition. I mean, he wasn't really getting on the field much as a wide receiver. Um, he had played two games his freshman year. He played four games his sophomore year. Um, but like you said, you know, he had a breakout year this year at the tight end spot. So I think that's probably a spot where you're going to keep him. And I, I mean, I always, especially for fantasy, I always like the, wide receiver like the tight ends who are wide converted wide receivers you know because you want the guys who are going to catch the balls you don't want that inline blocking tight end really not for fantasy and he's that i mean he's a pass catcher for sure you know he's got solid athleticism for a tight end so you know i think you're really gonna see him take another step forward this year and next year's tight end class is not this year's it's it's an absolute crapshoot outside of Weidermeyer. 
Um, you know, we both like Kate Otten, but I didn't really see a lot of other people who are in on him yet. Um, but uh, literally outside of Weidermeyer, it's the Wild West. Nobody has, there's, there's no favorite for the number two spot. So, you know, I think Cole Turner could easily work his way into a lot of people's top five tight ends, assuming he comes out next year. Um, you know, everybody gets that extra year of COVID eligibility, but I think he's probably going to come out, I would assume. But yeah, I mean, I think he could easily get some draft capital next year. I would imagine that too. And I have him in like that same kind of tier as like Greg Dulcich and Isaiah Likely, like kind of those smaller school guys that are, you know, I guess you see, well, for football, <laughs> they kind of are. I mean, let's be honest yeah. with ourselves. Um, just kind of the smaller school guys that are starting to build hype. And it just wouldn't shock you if one of those guys, you know, ends up becoming that tight end too, like you said, behind, behind Mr. Weidermeyer there. Yeah. So, uh, just one last note, and I, I messaged Colin here as I was looking. I said I have one. I have one comment <laughs> to throw in at the end of this. This is like not football related at all. So uh, their coach's name is Jay Norville, and I thought he was related to Mike Norville. So I went to look it up, and it turns out that Jay Norville's brother is actually an actor. Oh. He has an he has an IMDb page. He's been in like one of the Transformers movies. He had an appearance in Twenty Four. But he plays like a cop or a SWAT guy in every single thing he's been in if you look through him. So he definitely like he's got like a shaved head. He looks like the kind of guy that would just play like, you know, police officer number five. That, you know, it's just like, oh, hey, hold on a second or something. That's like like one line in the the whole movie. Um, so I just thought that was interesting. You know, that's always funny. And I think his brother played. Well, they both played football in college. I think his brother played it like Wisconsin or something. Okay, yeah, Aaron Norvell. I just had to look it up. I had no idea. I saw the last thing I would lie to you on this show like that about something so weird. (laughs) No, fair point, but I had to look it up. Um, He's a guy, I don't recognize him, so I don't, he's probably like a that guy actor. Um, But yeah, no, I, I honestly, I thought he was probably like, I thought Jay Norvell was somehow related to Mike. I didn't know if they were brothers, cousins, whatever. Um, cause that's not super common of a last name, especially for both guys to be football coaches. Uh, but yeah, no great little, uh, great little nugget on Mr. Aaron Norvell. See, you come for the, you know, uh, college football takes leave with, um, you know, the random officer that played in season four of 24 or something <laughs> that is a brother of the Nevada head coach. So you're all welcome. You're a little, you know, everyone's a little better off for, having or heard about this. Um, <laughs> so our last little bit here of the show tonight is kind of just like a, you know, a little, like this wasn't enough for a full segment in my opinion, no. but I just had this, it was like a shower thought tweet that I threw out the other day and it kind of has had me thinking a little bit about it. And I actually got some really interesting responses when I posted it on Twitter. And, and the thought is, you know, there are players that we have a decent certainty that even if we don't like that player, they are going to be thrust into an opportunity that it has a lot of potential and that people really, really like. And you can get that player probably a cheaper now than once that opportunity opens up and you know is is upon us that you can get them for. And it was a, when I sent it, it was a Caleb Williams tweet because <laughs> I, I I don't hate Caleb Williams. I the key is a crew when you watch his rushing highlights they are nuts he is one of the best rushing quarterbacks um that i have ever seen um you know he's he's a little different like because you know you, you think of like michael vick and lamar jackson he's a little different stylistically he's closer to cam newton 
because he's bigger, but like I think he's more dynamic than Cam Newton as a mover. Yeah. You know, he just really it's really, really rare stuff that you see him do as a football player. I, I'm not sure how I feel about him as a quarterback. And he's going in like the fourth round of startups. If Spencer Rattler leaves next year, he's gonna be, you know, he's gonna at least be assumed to be the starter. That's and he's gonna go no later than the second round. Are you willing to take that guy in the fourth this year, even if you don't like him, and then just try to ship him off next year once that value is increased a little bit? So I think it's it's very situational. Um because you put on the show sheet, you put freshman slash startup drafts. So, um, you know, you obviously like you're thinking any position really. And then at this, I'm transitioning it a little bit more to the NFL side, but like it's kind of along the lines of like a Cole Hardman, like where I thought like he was going to rise because of his opportunity. Obviously, it kind of walked back that take a little bit here after seeing how bad Kansas City was. And I think that they are going to go in a different direction. So I think that that can absolutely backfire on you. Like if I had actually, if I was in a startup and had taken Hardman with that mindset, you know, now I don't know about that. Um, I could have backfired on me here. But I think in this situation, specifically the Caleb Williams one, where you're taking him in like the fourth round of startups, maybe even the fifth. Um, with the expectation that Spencer Rattler is obviously going to leave next year, uh, I think that's pretty. I think it's pretty not necessarily a foregone conclusion, but I think it's pretty safe to assume that. Um, you know, everybody wants the next Oklahoma quarterback. Everybody wants the guy that Lincoln Riley wants, and understandably because he's produced some very very solid NFL quarterbacks. The last three guys he's had have all gotten drafted. It, you know, very highly, you know, you got Mayfield and Murray, very, you know, they were both uh, picked what first overall, both, both of them or yes. Yeah. Yeah. They both were. Yeah. First overall. And then Jalen hurts second round this year. Now he's a starting quarterback for the Eagles. Spencer Rattler. He's definitely going to be a top 10, top five NFL pick next year, assuming he comes out. So, you know, that track record, everybody's going to want that guy. And I, I'm with you where, you're taking him at the fourth, fifth now. And once Rattler leaves and people kind of open up to that and they see, okay, who's the next guy? It's Caleb Williams. They turn on some highlight tape of this guy and they're like, whoa, this guy is electric. I think you're right. You're going to see him go in the back half of the you know, top half of the second round, probably realistically in startups at that point. So you know, and he's never even going to have played a snap, most likely. So at that point, like you take him, and worst case scenario, I think in the fourth, fifth round, even if he doesn't develop like a pa- as a passer, like we were saying, Oklahoma's offense is still produced very, very highly, and they, pro- you know, he's going to be a top end fantasy quarterback on the college side at least. So even in this situation, if you do get stuck holding the bag, I think you're. I, I don't think you're that upset about it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. There are a lot worse bags to be holding, you know, <laughs> um, than, than that one. I, I would, I would assume. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. Assuming, and this is like assuming that you know, I don't think Oklahoma is looking for a high end guy in the twenty twenty two class, like recruiting wise. At least I haven't heard anything about that. It doesn't seem like any of the top guys are leaning that way. The only one that would throw like a total wrench in that is like Quinn Ewers, you know. <laughs> Because what uh, like the, there's scenarios, and I actually have talked a lot about this with with uh, Mr. Sharp Felix, and um, 
you know, there there are some intriguing dominoes if Kyle McCord takes that job at Ohio State this year. Mm-hmm. You know, that you assume probably C.J. Stroud transfers somewhere. And if Stroud's going to be there for three years, is Quinn Ewers going to want to go there and sit for two years? You know, it, it, because it, you're assuming that if McCord takes that job, he looks really, really good. And yeah. he's probably going to get three years. You know, it just could be a scenario where that moves a bunch of other guys. And then if Ewers goes to Oklahoma, you know, what does that do to Caleb Williams? And then, you know, if Caleb Williams leaves, you know, there's, it could set up a really, really big chain of events that I just, you know, is rare, but it might become more common with this new transfer um, portal type rules. So I don't know. It's just something to think about. Uh, I think it's much more of a college consideration than NFL. I mean, I know you just talked about Michael Hardman, but, you know, it, 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 these guys have a expiration date. As far as college goes, you know, they get four years and, you know, once that hits, they're gone. You know, NFL guys, you know, contracts uh, it can get signed or, you know, trades can happen. You know, a guy can get drafted over them, you know, early. You don't necessarily see as much of that in college. So I think it's it's much more of a college consideration for me. But it's just uh, I was thinking about it the other day and I I'm almost tempted to start taking Caleb Williams in these startups. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely with you there with that. I, I mean, I. So in our um, one home Debbie league that we're in, um, just one round Debbie, but I took Spencer Rattler last year in that without him ever having really played a snap before because I was like, I know this guy is going to go into the Oklahoma offense. I liked what I saw from him on the high, high, uh, the, his high school tape. But even if he doesn't pan out, it's still the Oklahoma quarterback and I could still move him. Like I wasn't going to lose that much value. So even like I said, it was a one round Debbie. So like you're taking these guys pretty high. Um, So, you know, if you're transitioning this back into a C2C context where you're taking him in like the fourth or fifth, he's absolutely going to accrue accrue value, but I don't think he's going to lose value at all. So even if you decide after a year that you don't like Caleb Williams, you could still move him. You'll find a buyer. So it's not always a good strategy to do because like you said, you can be left holding the bag, but like you said, there's worse bags to be left holding. I don't think this bag is going to fall apart in a year. Yeah. Or, you know, like the little, the, the ink packs aren't in there. You know, when you get out of the bank, they explode <laughs> and you're like, into, you know, that, those at least aren't in there. So, you know, add insult to injury. <laughs> I watch a lot of copies. I don't know if you guys knew that or not. <laughs> yeah. You could clearly tell the 24 references. 24 is great. Yeah, that's a great show. Have you watched that? I have. So I watched it like when it was coming out. So like I was in high school at that point, like at those, there were like two seasons, I think that were out when I was in high school. Um, and then they brought it back for a year and I was watching that. And then when I brought, when they brought it back, it made me want to go back and restart it. I never got all the way back through it because it's, it is really good, but it's hard to just sit down and binge seasons of that show. It's oh, like that, that's so false. <laughs> that was one of my quarantine shows. I watched it with my dad growing up and my brother. Um, that was like one of our shows that every night we watched when it was back when like, you know, like you actually had to like <laughs> wait a week for like all your TV shows to come out. And it was like this horrible time. We're dating uh, ourselves. Yeah, you could just like binge, you know, sit down and binge the latest season of you or whatever on Netflix. <laughs> um, but I, I sat down and watched it at quarantine. Um, like I'd have it on while I was working during the summer and I got through that thing freaking quick. Yeah, I was watching like, eight episodes a day <laughs> i got through like it's like three seasons of it when i rewatched it and then i just kind of like i didn't get tired of it but 
like I was like I I kind of want to watch something else now. I I should go back and rewatch that though because I do really like Twenty Four. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I think that's it for tonight's show. Before we get too far off into TV shows, maybe we can start off the next show with that. That'll be, you know, just naturally pick up with that on the next show. Um, as always, if you guys can rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or whatever other you know service you use, if they allow you to do that, that would be great. Um, subscribe as well. Like we said, we get you know we're we're getting we're getting a few more downloads every show, but we want to once we get up to two hundred uh, per episode, we're going to do another jersey giveaway. So if you guys want that to happen, like, review, rate, tell your friends, tell your family, you know, tell the people at work, tell everybody, um, and. Um, and get us to that number and then we'll we'll find another fun college jersey to give away um we have we'll be back later this week with another canton bound i think it'll be a a fun episode there colin do you have any final thoughts for everybody before we wrap it up for here for the night um the only thing i'm going to say is i know i I mentioned last time about like something we're going to be dropping soon we've been teasing it for a little bit Got delayed a little bit. We're still waiting on the state of PA to stop dragging their feet. So that is still coming soon. Just not going to be dropping today. Um, but we will keep you guys updated on that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be it's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to it. Um, well, until later this week then, guys, I am Austin. And this is Colin. And have a good week.